You're listening to another message from Generation City Church. Why don't you come with me in your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. It's, um, it's a text that has been the starting point um, a few times already this year. And is it okay? Is it okay if I preach a third message from three verses? Is that okay? Or, or would you like to hear from something different this morning? Well, I'm sorry, but you, there's no option. So you, we will be talking about this. But you know what? It's one of those things where let's never be a people that, that, that think, oh, we're back to that verse again. We, we heard so powerfully from John last week when he said that the Word of God is living and it is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. So whenever we open the Word of God, We ain't opening some boring old textbook, but we are opening the living, breathing Word of God. And there is more than enough in every single verse to mine out what God wants to say to us. We won't even get close to the depths of the riches of His Word in this lifetime. It's living, it's breathing, and it's active. And I pray this morning as we open this passage for the third time this year, It's only February, but for the third time this year that it would continue to speak to us. It would continue to work in us because, you know, it's not not, um, how much we know the Bible. It's not how much we read the Bible, but it's how much of the Bible is actually in us working and, um, yeah, working in our life. But 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to read from verse 20. I'm going to read from verse 20. It says, In a large house, in a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. Verse 22, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Over the last couple of times that I've had the opportunity to to speak, we've been digging into these verses. In particular, verse number 22, where it says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You know, as we open these, these verses, for me, as I read that, there are three key aspects. I'm, what I want to do is I want to do a bit of a recap because I know there's some people who have missed what's been going on, but I've also got some, some thoughts I want to share specifically for this morning. But you see, when I read this, I, I, I see the word flee. I see the word pursue and I see the phrase along with. When God began to speak to my heart about this passage of Scripture at the beginning of last year, I sat down and was like, wow, it was like God was speaking into my heart saying, okay, Joel, what are the things you're going to flee? What are the things you're going to pursue? And what are the things, and, and, and who are the people that you're going to do that along with? And you know, the more I read and, and the more I think about this verse, because it's almost like every time I read it, I get something new. I get something fresh out of it. And that's how the Word of God should be. Let's not be people say, oh, I've read Ephesians. I've read Ephesians. My mum and dad told me that when I went to school for my first day at kindy, I came home and I said to them, I don't need to go anymore. I've already, already know all the songs. But how many of us have that same mindset when it comes to the Word of God? Oh, I've read that passage so many times. I don't need to read it again. But it's like, God, 
that this word that we have in our hands, it's living and it is active. That was a cracker word last week, John. I can't stop thinking about that stuff that you shared. Even though John was so hot, he blew a fuse down the street. And if you were here, you know exactly what I mean. Because in the middle of John's message, it was like this big boom. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what has just happened? But it wasn't us. It wasn't us. There was a fuse down the street and it's all fixed, as you can tell, this morning. But it's living and it's active. But I look at that and in my masculine mind, <laughs> where I like things to go into boxes, <laughs> okay, this work out how this goes into a box. I, I look at that and I go, okay, so one box for flee, one box for pursue, and another box for along with. But the more I read and the more I think about this text, they are all intertwined. They are intertwined. So when I look at that, rather than, yeah, we can definitely sit down because maybe there are some of us that need to determine some things we need to flee, pursue, and who we're going to do that with. But as I look at it, in order for us to flee something, in order for us to leave something behind, we need to have something else to pursue. And to pursue something, we need to leave something else behind. But a really key factor in how successfully we can flee something and pursue something is who we do it with. It's going to be one of those really defining factors. But at the centre of it, for me, if I was to circle one of those three things as the key component, for me, as we've been talking about for the last little bit, the, 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 the main component is pursue. Because what I determine in my heart to pursue will tell me the things that I need to flee. And it will also outline for me the people that I should be doing that along with. All by de- determining in our heart what to pursue. There are so many great things in life we can pursue. We can pursue our career. We can pursue education. We can pursue uh, relationships and family. and So many brilliant things that we can pursue. But we started this year out of this thought that what if, what if we determined in our hearts that the one thing above all else that we would pursue is Jesus? If we determined in our heart we're going to pursue Jesus with all that is within us. Because, you know, I want Jesus to be the centre of my relationships. I want Jesus to be the centre of my vocation. I want Jesus to be the centre of every pursuit in my life. I don't want to be pursuing a career. I don't want to be pursuing a great marriage and then Jesus. But let's build our life from the foundation of saying, you know what, I'm going to chase after Jesus. I'm going to seek first His kingdom. I'm going to seek first His purpose, His plan, His will for my life. And from that, I know that everything else is going to be added to my life that God wants to pour into my life. All by determining what I'm going to be pursuing. We then opened up Philippians 3, where Paul talks about his pursuit to know Christ. But our pursuit of Christ, like Paul talks about, he says in verse 7 of Philippians 3, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. You see, our pursuit of Christ above all else hinges on our own personal revelation of the surpassing worth of knowing Him. Until we get to that place, it's going to be really hard to pursue Him, but that is a revelation and something that God wants to speak into each one of our hearts. 
He doesn't want it to be this crazy hard thing. He, like, he, he wants to implant that revelation into us to know him. But then two weeks ago, we looked at the last few verses in, in that passage of Scripture. And that's where I want us to kick off from again this morning. Philippians 3, verses 12 to 14. Is it just me or is it hot in here? It's hot. And I haven't even got going yet. (laughs) Philippians 3, verses 12 to 14. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I thank you so much that your word is alive. Your word is living. Your word is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. As we open your word again this morning, Father, I pray that you would speak to every one of us. God, let my words, let my dribble fall to the ground. But let what you want to say this morning be said. God, I thank you so much that you don't just see a, a, a room full of people, but you see the individual people. God, you see, um, you see everyone, you see the little ears. And God, I pray that even, even the youngest this morning would receive something from you. Like Paul prayed for the Ephesians, let the spirit of wisdom and revelation fall in this place, sweep across this place that we would know you more. Amen. Philippians 3. We've just gone through and Paul says, uh, this, he lists off all these things that he says, I count it all rubbish that I may know Christ. It's the passing worth of knowing Christ. He says, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. From verse 12, Paul writes, and it's a really interesting thought. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, as I read that, those few scriptures there. As I'm reading, as I'm thinking, as I'm processing, to to me, I'm identifying two big statements that Paul makes. But each of those statements, he actually makes twice. In the space of, what's that? One, two, three verses. He makes two points twice. So the first thing is, is, Paul says, he says, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal. But Paul then repeats himself in the very next verse. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. So in the space of two verses, Paul pretty much says the same thing twice. God doesn't mince words in his Bible. But Paul came to that place where it was like, I'm not even close to knowing Christ. I'm not even close to obtaining and and reaching the goal that I've set in my heart. And it's so important that we don't settle. We don't settle in our pursuit of Christ. It's like, oh, I'm happy with my level of relationship now. Far out, Jesus died on the cross to give us so much more than we ever will realise. And to think, hey, I'm satisfied with my relationship with God is like saying, Jesus, you didn't need to go as far as you did. 
There is so much more for us in Jesus. But I wonder how many of us settle and say, hey, I'm really happy. I've reached a level of maturity that I am satisfied with. Believe me, I ain't just preaching to you this morning. This is going loud into my own heart. Because how easy is it for us to settle and to become comfortable? When Paul, the great apostle Paul is saying, not that I have already obtained this, not that I've arrived at my goal. I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. In the space of two verses, it's like we can't settle in our pursuit. But the next big thing that Paul says, and he says twice, he says, but I press on. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on. I press on toward the goal. We've got to press on. In our pursuit of Jesus, it's so important that we press on. Isn't it interesting that in that verse, verse 13, Paul says, forgetting what is behind. But Paul actually highlighted that as the one thing that he, that he will do. One, but one thing, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and pressing on toward what is ahead. And when we talk about forgetting what's behind, we're not just talking about all the stuff that we want to leave in our past. Not just talking about the disappointments, the discouragements. We're not just talking about the things that's like just leaving that behind. That, that's a part of it. But forgetting what is behind also is also talking about the good things. Because how often can we have this great victory or this great breakthrough in our life? But we camp in that space and we don't move forward. And it's not that we forget and go, okay, we're going to forget everything about, like when we've been talking about things with church, like there are so many amazing things in the heritage and the history of our church. So many great things. This is our 80th year as a church. 1937, this church was planted. But we're not for a second saying, hey, we're going we're to forget all about that stuff, all the good stuff. But what we're saying is that what God has for us now is even better and is even greater. And we want to celebrate the great things that have happened. We want to remember the good times and the great things God has done, but we don't want to settle. Let's not be a people who settle. Let's not be a people who settle for what has been because God has so much more for us. If the Apostle Paul, writing the Philippians, later on in his life, is still saying, I want to know Christ and I haven't obtained this. How much more is there for us to be able to obtain in Christ? But you see, throughout this passage of Scripture, Paul talks about his passion, his desire to know Christ, to leave it all behind and follow Him. And the truth is, we have to pursue Christ for ourselves. We have to pursue Christ for ourselves. It's not something that we can um, delegate to someone else. It's not something that we can say, hey, thanks. Um, it's not something that we have to delegate 
or, or that we can delegate to someone else. Hey, can you pursue, pursue Christ on my behalf? It's like, God doesn't have any grandkids either. You, you don't automatically get a relationship with God just because your mum and dad had a relationship with God. Like Sienna and Ethan aren't God's grandkids. They're God's kids that need their own personal revelation of who he is. But you see, we need to pursue Christ for ourselves. but we weren't designed to pursue Christ by ourselves. You see the difference? We have to pursue Christ for ourselves, but we're not designed to pursue Christ by ourselves. I want to come back to this passage in Timothy. And each of the times that I have had the opportunity to open, open the word with you this year. We've talked about pursuing Christ and pressing on and not settling. But one aspect that I really want to just take some time just to unpack in the time we have left is this concept of along with. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. It is so important that we never ever underestimate the impact of our long widths in our pursuit of Jesus. The people that we do life with. Who we journey through life with will have a huge impact on where we end up in life. Pastor Danny makes his comment and and he says that our end in life will be a determining factor in our end in life. I want to have a look at this verse in 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, that says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? You know, it's a verse that gets spoken a lot about when it comes to relationships and marriage. And, and it does relate to that, absolutely. But when we think about this verse, and I want to be really, I really want you to hear where I'm coming from as, as I just unpack this. The concept of yoking, the concept of yoking has to do with two animals. It's not the yolk in an egg. It's not talking about the yolk in an egg. Um, when I was little and I would read, I think, oh, yoking, I like the yoking, and, and, but it's got nothing to do with that. Yoking, it's, a, it's, it's talking about two animals. And what yoking is, is when a wooden bar or, or, or a wooden uh, instrument is placed on the neck or, or, or the head of two oxes. So when we think about that, we've got two oxes and we've got this wooden bar. It'd be great if I had a picture, but I haven't got one. It's um, that holds these oxes together. And what it does is it keeps them together as they're going in the same direction, plowing a field, whatever that may look like. But you see, the Bible talks in Deuteronomy and it says, you don't, you don't yoke an ox with a donkey. And what that means is because of the kind of animal that a donkey is, it, it's going to hold the ox back from being able to achieve what it's supposed to achieve. And when you think about it in our pursuit with Jesus, 
It's so important that we yoke ourselves with the right people. That we yoke ourselves, we connect ourselves with the right people. Because if two oxes decide that one wants to go one way and one wants to go the other way, that's going to be a real awkward moment. And they're not going to go anywhere. Or one ox is going to give in and they're just going to be dragged along. But you see, what I want to say is this. We can't determine every single person that is in our life. We can't pick that. We can't pick that. And what I'm not saying, what I'm not saying for a second is that as Christians, as followers of Jesus, that we've got to separate ourselves from unbelievers. That is not what I'm saying. And that is not the heart of this church. Jesus' example through the Gospels shows that he was always around people, always around people that, 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 that didn't know the Father. But you see, when it comes to what we are pursuing in life, when we're pursuing Christ, it's so important that we yoke ourselves with the right people. You know, I know in my family, in my family, I'm married to Beck, and, and across our family together, we've got a number of family members who don't know Jesus, who aren't walking with him. But does that mean that, it's, that we need to separate ourselves from them? Absolutely not. That's not what the word is saying. But when it comes to my pursuit of Jesus, when it comes to our pursuit of following him, my pursuit of Jesus isn't yoked to some of our family members. I still, we, we still spend time with them. We still love them to pieces. Absolutely. But when it comes to my pursuit of Christ, they're not someone that my life is yoked with yet. Does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Because I'm, I'm, it's one of those real... Real iffy ones that if, if it's not explained right, it can be really, really bad. But I'm not for a second suggesting that, that we, we don't walk and do life with people that don't know Jesus. But when it comes to my pursuit of Christ, I've got to determine who's going to speak into that. Who's going to um, help me on that journey of, of, of that. And, you know, there's... There's two examples in the Word that I want to just have a look at and two stories of two different people and the impact that an alignment between people had on the specific circumstances. And those two I want to look at is first, I want to have a quick look at Samson and Delilah. Samson decided to align himself and take Delilah along with him. And if you know your Bible, Samson was a Nazarite. He was set apart by God. But in the process of Samson's life, he aligned himself with the wrong person. Ultimately, his relationship with Delilah led to his downfall as she tried time and time and time again to get out of Samson, the secret of his strength. And he would just play with Delilah. Oh, if you put my hair in these little machines or whatever, or you, you tie them in all these strands, my, my, my power is gone. But over time, Samson finally gave in. Maybe you're hanging out with some people that you really shouldn't be hanging out with. And maybe for you, it's like Samson and Delilah. 
where you can withstand it for a certain amount of time. You can withstand the, the, the pressures and the temptations, but eventually, like Samson, we're going to give in. Samson didn't realize that he finally given away the secret of his strength. The Philistines captured him in one of the most saddest, saddest verses in the Bible. Samson got up to go out and face the Israelites, but he didn't know God had left him. Samson's life started with so much potential and so much purpose. Yet because of a very unhealthy relationship, it went pear-shaped. But another relationship that I look at and I just think, wow, is, is the relationship between Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas. When, when I think about Acts 16, where Paul and Silas are sitting in this jail cell, they've, they've been arrested, they've been beaten with rods, they've been kicked, they've been put in the inner cell and here's Paul and Silas together. And I love that this story tells us that at about midnight, Paul and Silas were singing psalms and spiritual songs. They were singing hymns to God. I wonder, I wonder whether or not one of them said, I just can't do this tonight. I just can't, I just can't. And maybe Paul says to Silas, come on, Silas. Come on, Silas, let's sing. Let's lift our voices. Maybe, maybe Paul was thinking, oh, I just need a moment. But what it tells us was that Paul and Silas together lifted their voice together, sang and praised God together in the midst of this storm, in the midst of this trial that they were facing. And as we know, as the story goes, this incredible breakthrough happened and every prison door flung open. But I wonder if Paul had been in that prison cell on his own, could he have done it? If Silas had been in his prison cell on his own, could Silas have done it? But what I know is there was two people sitting in this cell and together they lifted their voice and they praised God. It's so important that we very carefully and with wisdom determine who our along with are. But I want to look at this in a different way, in a different light. It is so important that we determine in our hearts who the right people are. When it comes to our pursuit of Jesus, that. But what if, and what I want to challenge us with this morning, is rather than creating a list of all the things that we should look at for the right people. What if we turned our focus around and our pursuit and our desire was to become the right people? What if instead of looking at, I gotta find the right person for my long way, I gotta find the right group of people. What if each one of us went and said, you know what, I'm gonna focus on becoming the right people for someone else. I'm going to focus on becoming the right along with. I'm not just going to focus on me and what I need in my spiritual journey. But what if? What if I can become the right person for someone else to journey with? What if I focus and thought, you know what? It's not just about me, but what can I do? Don't just try and find the right along with. Become the right along with. 
in talking about determining our along with, it's so important that we look at ourselves. Are we someone that others should have along with them on their journey? Imagine if we all thought like that. Imagine if that was the way that we looked at things. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 19, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Jumping down to verse 23, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Speaking about perseverance. And if we're going to be people who press on, we don't want to be people who just press on by ourselves. Verse 24 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promises faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. I want to give us one thing to work on this morning. One thing. In becoming, in becoming the right along with. That verse there, it says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. I want to challenge us this morning to be the greatest encouragers, to be the greatest encouragers of people. You know, when we talk about encouragement, what is encouragement? Encouragement's a verb. It's a doing word. And to encourage is to spur on, is to inspire, to make someone more determined, more hopeful, more confident. It's the raising of one's confidence, especially by an external agency. And each one of us have the ability to be the external agent of encouragement. As we're pursuing Christ, let's be a people who encourage one another. You know, to discourage, sometimes to look at a word, we need to look at the opposite. But to discourage is to deprive of courage or confidence. Discourage is the removal of courage, but to encourage is the adding of courage. I don't know about you, but I want to be someone who adds courage to someone's life. I want to add courage. That in our pursuit, as Paul says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I press on. I press on to lay a hold. You know what? We all have really bad days. We all have really tough times where it can feel like everything's so heavy and so hard. And we all need those people to come alongside of us saying, come on, press on. 
You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. To encourage people. You know, in the world that we live in, there are so many voices of negativity. There are so many voices telling us that we're not good enough, that we're not big enough, that we're not small enough, that we're not ever going to make it. But let's be people who, who, who go against the flow and are people who speak encouragement into other people's lives. Speaking that, yeah, you can pursue Christ. You can lay a hold of that for which He laid a hold of you by being people who encourage others. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11, Paul writing to the Thessalonians says, Therefore, encourage one another. And build each other up. Encourage one another and build each other up. I know the power of encouragement in my own life. I know the power of encouragement in my kids' life. I know that when I speak great things over them, I know the power of encouragement in speaking to my own kids. I don't know what gets said to them at school. But I know for one thing that I'm going to speak words of life. I'm going to speak good things over them. But as we read that verse in Thessalonians, let's encourage one another. Because when we encourage one another, we build each other up. We build each other up. We're strengthening each other. Imagine a church like that. Imagine a church of encouragers. But we don't have to look around and go, yeah, their walk with God's not real good. They're definitely not my along with. But a people, a church, because the church is a body of people, a community of people. Whereas maybe you had a tough week, but as you walk through the door, someone encourages you and says, it's so great to see you. It's so great to see you. You are doing awesome. You are doing so much better than you think you are doing. Because you know deep down yourself, you know all the behind the scenes, as Stephen Furtick says, you know the behind the scenes. Let's stop comparing to everyone else's highlight reels on social media. (laughs) It's true. Therefore, encourage one another. Hebrews 3 verse 13 says, let us encourage one another daily. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, just a few more verses along from verse 11. Paul admonishes the... Thessalonians, to encourage the disheartened. Because we have no idea what God can set in motion through a single word or act of encouragement. I want to just list off a few things here, just some very quick practical thoughts for how you can encourage people. First one, ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. The Holy Spirit wants to help us and He wants to lead us to the right people. Remember that life and death are in the power of the tongue. The words we speak have the ability to build up. They have the ability to bring down. Let's be people who speak life, who speak life over people. Number three, never tell someone what they aren't. Speak life into them. Speak faith into them. There are already enough voices telling people who they aren't and what they aren't. There are already enough haters. There's already enough haters in the world. Generation City Church, let's be a people who encourage each other. Number four, 
not everything we think needs to be said. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> not everything we think needs to be said. You hear that, Joel? <laughs> but let the good things be said. Our good intentions make us feel better about ourselves. If you think someone's doing great, or if you think that they're doing a great job, don't, don't keep that to yourself, but release that blessing over someone's life. For you, maybe you're thinking, look, I don't have the confidence to, to actually tell someone that. Maybe it's writing a text message. Maybe it's sending a card. Maybe it's, you can just need to step out in faith and give it a crack. But our good intentions only help us and no one else. If you think something good about someone, release the blessing over their life. There's already so much negativity being spoken. Encouragement isn't a one-time event. Well, I encouraged you three months ago. That's why the writer of the Hebrews, he says, encourage one another daily. Daily. We all need encouragement. We all do. And the last thing there is the team can come back this morning. Let's start with the perspective that we sow encouragement to reap encouragement. Biblical principle of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Maybe you're sitting here this morning, it's like, that's a great word. I hope someone comes and encourages me after the service. I'd love someone to encourage me. But what if we turned this around and we thought, you know what? I'm going to encourage someone. I'm going to encourage someone else this morning. You know what? I'm feeling real down. I'm feeling real disheartened. I'm feeling like my whole world is falling apart. But in the middle of that, I love it. I think it might be Isaiah 50 something. Um, Round that way. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> But there's a concept, I might be Isaiah 55. Is that where the, one of the pillar things? Come on, you know everything, John. The, um, one of the messages that, that Pastor Marty talked about, the pillars. No, it's not 48, I know that. It's, um, it's in the field, I think it's 55. Where it talks about when, when your healing will flow. It talks about spending yourself. Spend yourself on behalf of others. Spend yourself on behalf of others. And, Let's spend ourselves when it comes to encouragement. Let's spend ourselves. One of the foundational stones of our church is that we are a church unified with an unshakable love for one another. And one of the key components of that is encouragement. God's plan is that the church not the building, but the people would journey together. They would journey along with each other. But rather than thinking necessarily about who are the right people for me to journey along with in my pursuit of Christ, what if we focused on becoming the right person for others to journey with? And it all starts by being a person who sows encouragement into others. Would you close your eyes and bow your head this morning?
Paul writes in Philippians 3 and he says, in the message, it says something to the effect of, but I press on reaching out for Christ because he so wondrously reached out for me. And this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to start a relationship with Jesus. A relationship with Jesus that's made possible because of the cross. That what Jesus did, none of us are good enough to stand before God. But because of Jesus and what he has done on the cross, we have right standing with God. If that's you this morning and you want to start that journey or perhaps you've wandered off, you haven't been pursuing Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to start again or to start that journey, to take a first step or to take a fresh start. And if that's you this morning, I want to invite you to raise your hand while every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Thank you so much. I see that hand over there. There's someone else this morning. Fantastic. I reckon we pray. Let's pray right now together. God, I, I thank you so much for this man who has put up his hand and responded to you responded to your goodness and your grace and your mercy. Thank you that you are with him and you are for him. You have an incredible plan and purpose for his life. Pray that you would bless him abundantly in his pursuit of you. Reveal yourself to him in such a real, real way. The Bible says in Romans 10, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. I want us to pray together. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place so that I can be right with you. On my own, I can never be good enough. But because of Jesus, I am right with you. I receive what Jesus did for me. I ask him to live in my heart. Help me today to turn from sin and pursue you with all that is within me. In Jesus' name.